Sex and the System. My name is Lara. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today I want to talk to you about what love has to do with economics. And um, this might sound a little strange at first because you you probably think about economics as like this very scientific, mathematic, you know, kind of thing whereas love is something that is a lot more connected to feelings to emotions and you don't really want to quantify love um a lot of people reject the thought of quantifying love and i mean i also do but i still think that there are some very important points in thinking about love and thinking about economics so let's get right into it so what is economics really about? I'm I'm not here to talk about the maps of economics on how to like calculate things on investments on discounting. That's that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to get to is the the very basic of economics. Like why do we do this? What is the point of economics? And if you really want to dial it down, the question of economics and you know, this is also why people argue that economics is really rather a philosophy than a science. And I don't know where I stand with that because there is a philosophy part in it. And there is definitely also very math heavy part in it. Um, but basically the underlying question is how do we allocate resources? So all the resources that we have in the world and this is a point that we'll get back to later, but all the resources that we have are limited. So I'm just looking outside of my window and I'm seeing trees and I'm seeing houses and I'm seeing a crane actually, which is a nice example. So there's a certain amount of trees that provides us a certain amount of wood. There is a certain amount of like stone. There is a certain amount of metal out there. All those resources are are limited. There is no infinite amount of trees. And, you know, the, the question really is, and this is the underlying question of what economic theory is built upon, is how do we now decide who gets a piece of this wood? Who, how much is a piece of wood worth? and who will get it and who will get how much and who decides do we build a chair out of this wood do we build a house out of this wood do we you know let this tree grow do we chop it down do we burn it do we use it for heating purposes so how do the resources that we have that we can use for different things how do we allocate them? How do we distribute them? Who gets to have them and for how much in exchange? You know, there's no one going around that says you get one tree and you get one tree and you get one tree. No, we, we, we have a system in which, and you know, this is a system that existed way before capitalism in which we can trade things. So for example, I trade this one tree for you for this pile of bricks or you get the metal 
and I get the tree. Um, so there's a there's a trading system, and then the science of economics is, you know, how we how we value those different things, how we can calculate with them. I, I almost want to say play with them to actually make a system that makes our allocation of resources the most efficient possible. But the underlying thought really, and this is the, the, the thought that I want to highlight, is that our resources are limited and we compete with each other for those resources. Of course, there are like economic theories, like on a on a far left, like Marxism and socialism, that say that you know resources should be distributed very equally. Everyone gets one tree, um, but you know actually even in Marxism there is a, a thing that is um, from each according to their ability to each according to their needs. So there is a another philosophy behind how we, you know allocate resources whereas if you go further on the right in the political spectrum into capitalism we it's all about money um you work you get money you can buy your trees your money has a certain value that we as a society decide basically collectively what value this money has and then we can use it as a trade either way no matter which economic philosophy or idea or theory you look at you have limited resources and it's all about how we locate them and um, the, the basic idea also that you know you have when you it's like the very basic principle of studying economics is demand and supply and demand and supply they decide over how we value what you know if there is more demand for something but little supply, something has a higher value, it gets more expensive. If there is a very high supply but a very low demand, things will get less expensive. So, you know, even that it's based on a logic that resources are limited. If a resource would be unlimited, something that, you know, we, we really like, it doesn't end. There is not really a necessity to compete for this resource. Um, because there's unlimited anyway, and will kind of, in a way, lose its value economically. And the thing is that if you think about this, it, it makes very much sense with material resources, you know. And we think about it when we think about purchasing things. Uh, we think about it also when we think about sustainability, how to like design our society for the future. And actually, I wish we would think about the limitedness of resources a little more if we think about future generations. Um, but at the end of the day, even even things that you cannot really grasp materially or purchase, they are they are limited. Your time is limited. You know, your day only has 24 hours. You need to sleep, you need to eat, you have a job, there are different things you do and you know you can only squeeze so many things in a day, you can only squeeze so many things in a week. That is also something that is limited. Your energy is limited. Of course you can you can do things to, to push your energy, to try to have more energy, but um, at the end of the day the energy that you have available is also limited. It's a limited resource. And this 
thing with limited resources really goes through all of our thinking, through all of our decision making. And here's the problem really uh, with, with love, because I would argue that love in itself is not a limited resource. Your ability to love does not actually stop when you already love a person. You can see this with parents that have several children, you know? It's not like when they have their second child, the first child is only loved 50%, now and the second child is loved 50%. No, they're both loved. You love all of your siblings, you love all of your friends, you love, well, possibly your parents, if you have a good relationship with your parents. Um, but, you know, you love all of your family members, you love all of your social circle. Um, and in that same way, you can also love several partners. And I think the idea of giving love in an unlimited way is still something that, you know, resonates with people, that maybe people can kind of get behind. But the problem with this is that we think about everything in such economic terms that we also, you know, get to this thing that we believe that love is limited. And then suddenly love becomes something that we need to fight for and becomes something that is scarce. And in the book, The Ethical Slut, the authors, it's actually a really good book that I would recommend you to read. Um, it's great. But the authors make a great point that they talk about a starvation economy. So in a regular economy, you know, you have you have your, your resources, they are limited, you have some kinds of means, means, you can do some kind of trade, you have you have a freedom of decision making, freedom of how do I, what resources do I want to purchase, what do I not want. Um, and it's all about, you know, your personal choice and trading. But when things get really scarce, when there is a starvation economy, then things that are a basic necessity that you need, um, they suddenly become worth a lot more just because they are so scarce. You can see this with, with food shortages, you know? You can see this with, uh, well, inflation is maybe a bit, of a bit of a bad example, but you know, if one tree would in a normal way worth be worth something like 100 potatoes that's let's say a reasonable trade but if there are very very limited potatoes available then suddenly one tree is worth two potatoes not because the tree declines in its worth but because the potatoes increase in their worth because they are so scarce and this is really where we where we get behind with love because we think that love is is something and we act this is the thing we act as if love is something scary something we need to hold on to you know we find a partner and we're willing to sacrifice a lot of things we're willing to take a lot of things we're willing to take a lot of toxic behavior because we believe that love is so incredibly scarce and then we need to fight for it because there is no other love available. And if you look at the other side of the coin, then you know, if you actually point this out to people, 
most of you will will agree with me and will realize, yeah, the ability of giving love is not really not really limited or scarce in of itself. Of course, and I agree with that, as I said before, the time is limited, the energy is limited, and that's really the tricky part of you have several relationships that you need to limit your resources or allocate your resources that are limited, like time, energy, money, also, you know, money for going out for dates. But the love in of itself is not really limited. And that is something that, you know, can be can be difficult to kind of get behind. And actually, I want to elaborate on this on this economic thought further. Because Bataille, Georges Bataille, and I talked about him in uh, the last episodes, or I will talk about him in the next episodes, depending on in which order I will upload those. Um, but he makes a, he also makes a point about things being excessive. So things being, I don't want to say wasteful, but more like not being transformative in terms of transforming one thing to another, but just letting go of a lot of energy and just happening for the sake of itself. So let me explain that. But I basically makes the point that everything is transformative. So we do things for the sake of something else. And that is a thought that does tie in with the, with the limitedness of resources. So let me make an example. Let's get back to our tree. I'm purchasing my tree. I have my tree. I put energy into transforming this tree into a chair. So, you know, that chair is now a result of resource plus energy. And that energy that I've put into making a chair out of this tree, you know, happened for the sake of then having a chair afterwards. And, you know, you can go way further with this thought and think, okay, you get up in the morning to have a coffee, you have a coffee, to have some more energy, to wake up uh, in order so that you can go to work, you go to work so that you can have money, uh, you make that money so you can buy food, you eat so you don't die <laughs> and you can live, so you can go to work and you can follow the other activities that you want to follow. You do a hobby for your pleasure, for your self-fulfillment, um, even if you're if you're creative, you know, it doesn't need to be so dark as this like capitalist circle that it can be. Um, but even if you're creative, you you put in energy um, to transform a canvas and colors into a painting. Um, so everything in that way is is a transformation from you add energy to make one thing into another. And but I actually, you know, goes goes further with this and says that there are only two things in life that happen excessively for the sake of itself. The first one of them is death. So if you die, you know, it is a tremendous loss of, of energy, of whatever you want to call it. You can call it life, 
you know, you can call it energy, you can call it this, this, this magical thing that makes us alive, you know, that makes our body being a living thing, not a dead thing. And that is, that is getting lost. And that is getting lost for what? For absolutely nothing, you know? And of course you can now argue in a, in a more like, mm, maybe Buddhist or Hinduist way that there is a, like a re reincarnation, um, that this energy is not actually lost, that this energy gets transformed into something else. Um, you could argue that, you know, this energy continues existing somewhere else, but really from, from what we can grasp or we can measure scientifically or also what we believe in, in, uh, in a more Western setting, in a very Christian centered setting, um, you die, that energy is lost and it's not really done for the sake of anything else, you know? And the, the second thing that is also not done for the sake of anything else is an orgasm. An orgasm, as Bataille argues, is also just a tremendous loss of energy, kind of an almost losing yourself in it. For what? Not really to produce anything else. Not really because you're getting anything out of it. You're not getting anything out of it other than that orgasm. And, you know, if you, if you continue this thought, then I would actually argue that love, in, in a way, belongs into this. And here I'm talking about unconditional love. And I want to touch on a thing that I think most people misunderstand. Most people think that unconditional love means just being able to just take everything, you know, being able to your partner treating you like shit and maybe like, yeah, accepting abusive behavior, loving someone no matter what. That is not unconditional love. Unconditional love is loving someone regardless of what you get out of it. Unconditional love is the opposite of a transactional relationship. So I don't love you because you love me back. I don't love you because you buy me nice things. I don't love you and I am with you because, you know, we can share a house. I'm not polyamorous because monogamy in this economy is not going to work. Um, I mean, to be fair, there are definitely benefits to cohabitating, especially with rent prices being super high. But the, the underlying point is that this love doesn't happen to get something out of it. I just love for the sake of loving someone. That doesn't mean that I will take any shit. That doesn't mean that I will be treated badly. Of course, if I'm being treated badly, then I will get myself out of that situation. But the, the love part, the love part happens unconditionally. And the love part doesn't happen transactionally. And you know, this is the second side of love actually really being detached from our economic thinking. And if you think about it, this, this, do you love me enough? Do you not love me enough? Um, but if my partner loves someone else, then they love me less. That is all 
questions that come from yeah putting putting love in the same category that we put everything else in and that category being you know this economic thinking of transforming one thing into another and also doing that because resources are being limited and this is why i think it's also so important to reflect on this because if you actually detach yourself from this economic thinking if it comes to love you cannot detach yourself to what if it comes to just the material reality that we live in you know i'm not arguing to you know find a hippie commune and believe that you know try to make yourself believe that capitalism doesn't exist because it does exist but the fact that it does exist makes is so deep in all of the things that we do and how we live and how we think and how our society works that we just need to take a moment and hold on to the fact and remind ourselves of the fact that love just this feeling of loving someone is a not a limited resource and b not something that is transactional and not something that happens for the sake of something it is something that happens for the sake of itself and but i would argue that you know he would he would call this excessive because there is no end goal behind this um so yeah that's that's my point of what love has to do with economics or what love does not have to do with economics um and i really hope that you enjoyed this little discussion this little discourse and that i could you know help you somehow to make sense of things i hope that you follow me that you give me a review on whatever platform you're listening to this uh, you can also follow me on instagram at sex and the system it's sex and the system it's all in one word um, and you can send me a message there you can also send me an email at sexandthesystem at gmail.com if you have any questions if you have any feedback if you have you know any topic that you would like me to discuss and of course please also share this with your friend on your social media with someone that might be interested in it and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful time bye